Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Booyah! And we are here. There's two names on the theme song that are not here, but we have upgrades for you, not me. But we have Jason Lloyd filling in where Adam the Bull usually sits. That's an obvious upgrade. We have G Bush where G Bush is, and you call me Mini J Crawford today. Instead of being between <laughs> Skip and Stephen A, I'm on the left of Jason and G Bush, and I'm sure. We will get into some spirited debates. We got a big show pack filled, and that's thanks to our producer today, Earl the Pearl. Earl, how you doing, boss? I'm great, brother. How are you? Doing good. Always fun to be out here. Glad to see you and Anthony. Earl the Holding Pearl is the, in the in, in the building, aka the third member of Harlem Heat. He's here. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, real quick, before we get into what's coming up today, our topics, our guests, I want to tease overtime today because it's a special overtime. We have overtimes sometimes that are really good. We have some that we just kind of throw together last minute because it is the nature of the beast. But today, we need your help. I'm looking at you. No, not them. I'm looking at you specifically. We got McNuggets. We got Pearl. And we got Anthony. One of those three is not alike. And we need your help coming up with a nickname for Anthony. So we are putting the brilliant minds of the UCSS viewers to work, the members especially. We need your help coming up with a nickname for Anthony. So that will be coming up in overtime today if you're not a member make sure you become a member so you can participate in that conversation we need your help because anthony simply isn't cutting it uh initial thoughts real quick any first off the dome ideas for a nickname you know what dawned on me was it was like crazy you said pearl man i was like man that's the same one of the that was one of the golden girls wasn't it (laughs) like it was like yo like that's fire but the thing the thing earl got like 90 nicknames like he got like all depends on which side of town you go to like he like if you hear like over over on the east side he's thuggalicious like (laughs) but anthony we gotta get you some you got a government you got a government name you be walking around here all regular, like, come on, bro. Like, listen, and, and do you do you use clippers on your face? Do you use clip? I think you you line yourself up a little bit. Do you use clippers? And I did get a haircut last weekend. Yes. So so there there are clippers on your beard. Oh yeah, that too. See, look. So okay, we gotta get you something, bro. You gotta get you something. We gotta figure this out. Yeah, it's we have something in the in the works here that we haven't even pitched to our REP yet, Steve. Mm. But we can't pitch it till we have the name down. So, okay. Steve, this is coming, but we uh, need a nickname. Fun, for funny thing though, because uh, like take you behind the glass a little bit. You know when we do the social social clips, and uh, we tag who said what. You know what I always tag, Jason? It's J Lo. J Lo. Yeah, he, he is the J Lo. That's J Lo. No, no. You, if you ask a hundred people. Who's J Lo? Ninety eight are saying Jason. Oh Lowe. yeah, of course. Yeah, like, 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 clearly. Did you accept that or did you fight against that? No, I accept. It. I think it's cool. Yeah, no, yeah. you accepted it, yeah. right? Yeah, you was like, all right, let me tell you. Because sometimes people be like, no, I'm not. You're not gonna get me with that. You're not gonna get me with that. You gonna like? That's like calling myself Ice Spice. You can't call your <laughs> name after another. Like that don't work. But J Lo is cool. Well, I mean, let me ask this: Has any other J Lo ever broken a major news story? I don't think so. No. Has any other J-Lo ever been the first to report that Donovan Mitchell might want to go to New York? Nope. Talk that talk, George. I, I don't think so. Has another J-Lo ever had their kids' Little League pitch a no-hitter? Four pitchers nope. combined for no-hitter. So I'm just saying, when you look at those 
hand selected statistics, there's one J Lo and there's everyone else. Who's got a better ass? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I can't get that out of my eyes now, bro. Like, do we, we got to end the show? Um, is, that, is that it? Do we just, that's crazy, We pack bro. it up, wrap it up. No, for real, we got a, a jam-packed show for you guys coming up. <laughs> and Anthony did a phenomenal job putting this together. We're going to talk a little Guardians later in the show. We have a special top five from Earl the Pearl, his five best NFL players of all time that aren't quarterbacks. So no quarterbacks besides that who is Pearl putting on his list for the five best players ever. We have Bucky Brooks from NFL Network joining us at 12. We talked about an article he wrote last week. Grant Delpit was on his all-defensive breakout team. We'll get his thoughts on why Delpit should have a big year, the Browns and the NFL as a whole. We're going to rename Brown Stadium. We're going to talk about whether or not this could be Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller, DPJ's final season in Cleveland. But we start with our favorite thing to do in the summer, get mad about PFF rankings, or for the rare instance, agree with them. Earl, what are we agreeing with or disagreeing with today? All right, so we was putting some show content together yesterday. PFF have released another ranking that we're going to argue about, and this one is specified the best defensive player per position in the AFC. Uh, Steve, you can say tag board four, and they named Miles Garrett the best edge rusher in the AFC. So just to, you know, throw some names out there, I threw T.J. Watt out there, Joey Bosa, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure some others that I didn't think about, like definitively. Is Miles Garrett the best edge rusher in the AFC? Jason, you're up first. Yes. Garrett? No. <laughs> you're right. I was like, yeah, I was like, uh, like yeah, I, I will say, uh, but, so we might as well just go all in. When I saw the comment, I said, well, PFF already had him rated like 90, 92 and a half. 92 and a half. I think Michael Parsons is second, correct? Correct. They already got him here. Um, so if he was already doing that, the next question is, are there any other positions or any other players that are, that are higher than his 92 overall at other positions? Because not only am I saying that Miles Garrett might be the best edge rusher in the AFC, that's definitive. He's probably the best edge rusher in the entire league. That's pretty much definitive too. He might be the best defensive player in the AFC period, not just the edge rusher. He might be the best defensive player overall in the AFC um, in the NFC. I'm not sure, um, but he's he's either one or two defender in the league. So when I look at it and here's a, here's the shame about it. The shame about it is this. He can get better. Yeah, like he could have he could have better numbers. He could be more impactful. He can he can be dominant um, and dominate. Remember, there was a time where where Miles Garrett was just really hitting quarterbacks and just laying on them. Like he would hit the quarterback. And like Miles Garrett is uh, getting too many penalties. I think that was around 2017. I remember um, him just landing on quarterbacks. Now you see it where where Miles Garrett is is not getting those levels of penalties. But I would rather see him actually be more aggressive. I've always said I've been on on record saying he should be more dominant against the run. I like to see more tackles for loss. I like to see him in the backfield penetrating more. However, Greg Newsom did say something about Jim Schwartz's defense. He said the way he has our guys up front just attacking is way different from what we see. So I think we talk about Deshaun Watson and I've been very uh, I've been very bullish on on Deshaun Watson and what he's going to do. I think Nick Chubb's going to have a great year. But I think Miles Garrett, this may be the perfect time. 
if he's ever going to win defensive player of the year, he can do it this year. And if it's ever going to be a time, he might want to get it done this year. Yeah, so when Earl sent us the topic, the question was, is Miles Garrett definitively the best edge rusher in the AFC? I'll hold off the NFC, guys, because yeah. I didn't do the dive on that. But we all know the saying, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. So with that, I did what I do. I got numbers to prove that Miles Garrett's definitively the best edge rusher in the AFC heading into next season. You could go at the career stats. You go all the way back you want, but I'm looking at last year, what players did, and how that projects to 2023. And the other guy in the conversation was best edge rusher in the AFC. Joey Bosa's good, but I think it's Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. I think that's 1A and 1B, 1 and 2. Miles Garrett, as I will prove, is definitively 1A. Last season, Miles Garrett, 16 sacks in 16 games, despite facing the most double teams in the league. That's one sack per game, right? Mm Mm-hmm. T.J. Watt had five and a half sacks in 10 games. That is 0.6 sacks per game. When you look at QB hits, QB hurries, and total pressures, Miles Garrett averaged 1.63 per game in totality. T.J. Watt, he averaged 1.2. Edge, Miles Garrett. You look at their overall grades in PFF. Pass rushing grade, Miles Garrett, number one. T.J. Watt, number 19. Overall grade, Miles Garrett, number one. T.J. Watt, Number 34. So, definitively, based on the numbers, Miles Garrett is better than TJ Watt based on the statistical portion moving forward. Now, we always hear the argument when you look at the numbers because it's hard to argue numbers, right? They're facts. That's what happens. People say the eye test. Well, Miles Garrett disappears. TJ Watt makes more plays in big moments. You could debunk that depending on what stat you want to fit your own narrative. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you your eyes are wrong. Like, what you see is your own opinion. I, I can tell you I see something different. And we may disagree on what we're seeing, but the reality of the fact is they play a similar position where nine out of ten times their main goal is to get to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And Miles Garrett is more efficient and effective at getting to the opposing team's quarterback than any other player in the AFC, and I'm going to guess than any other player in the NFL. Micah Parsons, the one guy, I don't have his exact numbers. He's the one guy I might say uh, does it at a more efficient rate, but I don't have the numbers to back it up. So based on the question or less, definitively, yeah, I think he's definitively the best edge rusher in the AFC. I also think he's got the to this point. Obviously, this year could be different. He has the least amount around him compared to some of those other guys. When you look at what T.J. Watt has next to him, and Cam Hayward, Cam Hayward's really sort of an anchor to that defense on the defensive line, and and those guys I think really sort of help feed off each other. Just physical, pure grit, strength, talent, ability. Nobody bends like Miles. Nobody's as strong as Miles. Uh, yeah, it, it's Miles. Now, having said that, I do think there's another gear in there, and we've talked about that. He's He's got to find it, and I think this is the system for him to find it. If he's ever going to get there, this is the year and this is the system, I think, with the help that they have around him now with the Jim Schwartz style. Part of the reason that they chose Jim Schwartz to run this defense was they felt like it was the best fit for Miles Garrett and, and Miles Garrett uh, to sort of unleash him and make sure that he can reach his full potential. So if he's ever going to get there, this is the year it's going to happen. Why does it seem? Why does it seem like there's this? There's this. Um, there's a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Miles Garrett. It, 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 and what I mean, love, love-hate relationship. There's certain players who we love, like we we love Anderson Verjao, right? Yeah. Um, there's certain players like uh, you know we, we love Joe Thomas, right? If you look at the numbers, right, you say Joe, we always talked about Joe Thomas being a perennial pro bowler, right? And probably being the first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, if you look at the track record, you look at the trajectory, Miles Garrett is on pace for the same thing. 
However, there is not some of the same admiration, the adoring, the like when somebody says, hey, the Cleveland Browns are a good team and they say, who do you guys want to put to the forefront? It seems like Miles Garrett is actually a, like a afterthought. So we, when you say Browns, you'll say up oh, Chubb. Chubb Watson, Chubb, Deshaun Watson, even though Chubb and Watson are not as good as Miles Garrett yeah. at what he does. Why is that? I think fantasy football plays a part of it to the normal casual fan. You know, offensive players because you draft in fantasy football. Deshaun Watson's QB forward in the ADP average draft rate. He's a second round pick. Nick Chubb might score 20 touchdowns this year. Got to get him in round one. Oh, he might be there in round two because he's in catch passes compared to a guy like Christian McCaffrey. That's what the average fan thinks. They don't look at, and you draft defense as a team. Mm-hmm. You're not, in, in most leagues, even in the advanced league, Bull wanted to play last year with two super flexes plus two quarterbacks. Yeah. You play three <laughs> kickers, but you only count it. Like, Bull had these crazy rules he wanted to play. The one thing he didn't even give us was the option to draft a defensive player. Right. So that was even past Bulls' outlandish idea of what fantasy football yeah. should be, where you have individual defensive player stats counting. So I think it's an offensive-driven league. The NFL, from the top down, pushes offense. Look at the roughing the passers. Look at the defensive pass interference, defensive holding. Every new rule they've implemented over the last few years has been designed to amplify offense and scoring. So I think defensive guys in general kind of get, I don't want to say pushed to the side, yeah. but overlooked by the casual run-of-the-mill fan. You, you think he's underrated by fans? I think he's a product of his own physique. When you look at him and you see... He's a god. He, he's, he's built, he's just chiseled. The way that he's built, it's incredible. And like I said earlier, the way that he can bend and the way that he can move on the field. And then he does, it does feel, Mike, like you said earlier, like he vanishes at times in games. And I think that's the frustrating part. And maybe it's out of sheer exhaustion the fact that he's facing so many double teams. That very well may be it. But there's times where you expect him to be more impactful, and he's just not. And I think that's the other gear I'm talking about, and I think that's what you're alluding to, where people feel like it's there's just more in there to get out. And maybe I remember, you know, maybe that's unfair, but that's what you expect of the greats. If you want to be the greats and the greatest of all time, and you want to be in that conversation, this is the responsibility that comes with that. I, I got a question for you guys because you just brought up something that made me think of Victor. One, but I'm, I'm go basketball reference, come back to football. Mm-hmm. The Spurs win the lottery. On draft lottery night, Adrian Wojnarowski, who never makes opinions, just reports simple facts, said that he might be the most impressive and sought-after prospect in the history of team sports. Chris Broussard, who I think says some outlandish things, said if he's not Hakeem or Kevin Durant, he's a fail. His career is a failure. What were the expectations for Miles Garrett coming to Cleveland as the number one overall pick, this physical freak specimen almost never seen before, athletic traits in a body combined with the size and skill he showed at Texas A&M. What were his expectations coming to Cleveland? I don't know when you talk like in NBA terms and mm-hmm. in, in the way that there's always these comps. I don't know that that really happens in the NFL because of injuries and for whatever other reason. I don't I, I don't recall and maybe I'm wrong and correct me someone if I am, but I don't recall like he's another Bruce Smith. He's no. another Reggie White like that didn't. He came here under the presumption that he's this monster, physical freak, this incredibly strong guy who is a terror coming off the edge, who has an injury history. That's That was the thought coming in. And, you know, where's the motor? Now, the motor's proven to be fine. Like, his motor's fine. But uh, I, don't re- I don't recall any big, like, 
great comps it, when he first came. Nah, it, nah. Like, so everything that the Browns have done since 1999, even when you talk about the drafts, like it's been overshadowed by the fact that even if you get a guy like Miles Garrett, even if you hit on a really great running back like Nick Chubb, even though Joe Thomas was was probably one of the best left tackles to ever put on a uniform, it didn't matter because you just didn't have a quarterback. You just didn't have nothing like so Miles Garrett came here. We were like, okay, we were in the midst of was we one in 15 his year or was over 16. He was drafted in 17. It all runs together. Yeah, yeah. he so was uh, he was he was oh and 16. Oh, 16. I think now now think about that. So he was great. I think he had almost seven, eight sacks past that his rookie year. He's always got double digit sacks, right? So think about how he was always good from the start. He was dominant from the start, but it didn't even matter. Yeah. We were so bad that it was like, you know, we didn't have a quarterback. We didn't have any skill positions. So it, we, it was very difficult to judge and to kind of gauge um, exactly who he is and what he is. And to be honest with you, if you go back and look for the most part, if Miles Garrett was playing for playoff teams, Dallas Cowboys, um, Bills was playing for a guy teams that are good. He'd 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 have a different level of stature, yeah. right? He'd have a different level of of notoriety, even though he's that good now. Yeah, I mean, and Earl, I'll let you hop in in one sec. But quarterbacks impact winning and losing fifteen thousand percent more than any other individual position on the field. You could be an unbelievable defensive end, and if your quarterback's trash, you're not going to win. We saw that for years. I guess five, four of his six years here yeah. in Cleveland. So. Maybe that has something to do with it, too. What's up, bro? Let me toss all this at y'all. First of all, I, I think I'm inclined to uh, agree with Jason here. I think there is another gear. There's another level that he needs to get to to be to get that respect as the quote-unquote best overall. Um, I feel like the helmet incident kind of holds him back a little bit when, when you talk about the love-hate relationship. And I also feel like that, you know, there was no player comps. But it seems like to me Bruce Smith is the guy that he's aiming for. It's like that's the ghost that he's chasing. You see Bruce Smith being the one who enters him into the Mad 99 club. You see Bruce Smith being the one who he talks about working with a lot, trying to perfect his game. So all, all things considered with that, I think um, you go back to that 2017 draft and the Browns was coming off a 0-16 season. I think the expectations wasn't that high, but any expectation that was there, I think he's exceeded it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's the best defensive end, hand in the ground pass rusher in football right now. And when you draft a guy number one, especially at a non quarterback position, can you ask for much more than have him being the single best player at his given position? Like I think I think Earl's right. No matter what the expectation was, there's nothing he's done that hasn't let him live up to whatever bar he was set. And, and I'll say this. He doesn't have the accolades, but if you want, like, pass rusher, skill for skill, size for size, strength, ability, bend, rush, uh, the ability to get the ball from the quarterback, I'm going to keep it real. He has, I mean, some of the greatest pass, like Chris Dolman is a great pass rusher. Um, Kevin Green is a great pass. Where Pat Swilling is a great pass. Where, I mean, he's been better than them for a long time. And these are these are these are 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 gold jackets. He got they got the gold jackets. And when you say Bruce Smith, to me, Bruce Smith is a longevity guy. 
He played a lot of years for a long people, a lot of people, and he did it at a high level. But when you compare Bruce Smith and Michael Strahan, um, Miles Garrett is just, he's a better, he's like a better prospect. He just has to have the hardware. He has to do it longer. Um, and I think that's the only thing holding him back. If you look at Aaron Donald, the reason why Aaron Donald, some could consider is the best defensive tackle of all time, is just because when you look at those times where they needed to play in the Super Bowl, and Aaron Donald gets a sack, yeah. That the cement you, and, bro. And Miles hasn't had as he many none of them. He hasn't had as many opportunities either. Right. The team hasn't been very good. And I was just curious. Uh, I looked at Michael Strahan's sack record the year mm-hmm. that happened. Now the Giants went to the Super Bowl that year, but he also had 18 and a half sacks two years later in two, 2003. Mm-hmm. They were four and 12. Yeah. So just because you have a lot of sacks doesn't mean your team's good. A lot of times right. when you have sacks, these other teams throwing the ball 50, 60 times, and you're getting a ton of pass rush opportunities. So yep. sacks does not correlate to wins in the same way quarterbacks and touchdowns, yards, completion percentage, uh, EPA on certain plays, dropbacks, as much as th- that position and those stats correlate to winning. And a lot of times, Jason, it's like you got to you gotta have a winning year. Like a lot of – look, go back and look at when they hand out the MVPs and stuff. Yeah. If you, you know, if you win 10, 11, 12, 13 games, I guarantee you go look at those, those teams who win 13 games, 12 games, end up with a first-round bye – they got coach of the year candidates, MVP, offensive player of the year, all those guys. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of difficult. They, they, we really do minimize um, the ability for people to win awards if you're not playing on a good team. Well, I think that's where it should be because yeah. your plays are impacting winning. Yeah. And, I mean, you pointed out you can have a ton of sacks and still not win, but you're generally going to gravitate to the teams that are having the most success, and that's where you're going to look at for postseason awards. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Earl, this is, I'm, I'm throwing this, this, we didn't plan for this, but this is Miles Garrett related. I'm going to throw a number out. You tell me if Miles Garrett has that many sacks to end 2023. Successful season or disappointing? And we'll just keep going up. You guys ready? Yeah. yeah. 12 sacks. Successful or disappointing? Disappointing. That's disappointing, bro. Now, for, context, for context, 99% of the league has 12 sacks. It's a career year. They're getting their biggest paycheck ever after. Now, so, Darius Smith has 12 sacks. Point in case. Yeah. But this, <laughs> this is the standard we hold Miles to. And so far throughout his career, he's exceeded those standards. So, Earl, you said disappointing too? Yeah, it'll be a disappointment. All right, 13. Disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Disappointing. 14. Keep going. I'll keep, I'll going. keep going. Y'all tell me when to stop. 15. 16? I'll take 16 because 16 is you play 16 games and you get a sack a game. Okay, I guess. I, was, I need more. I was going to say 17. Give me 17, 17 games, 17 sacks. Now, now, listen. If, if, are these strip sacks? No, I'm just, if, just, just if, sacks in general. <laughs> like, just you sacks in me, general. Just sacks in general. I'll take. I'll, I'm cool with. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with 16. But I, I would like to get more than that. And once again, just for context, one player in the NFL last year had more than 16 sacks. Yep. One. Now yep. a couple had 16. Garrett, Hassan Reddick. Uh, those only two. So two players had 16 sacks last year. Hassan Reddick of Philadelphia, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa had 18 and a half. So one player had more than 16, and all four of us, including Earl behind the booth, so three out here in Earl, say if he has 16 sacks next season, essentially one per game, it's right on par with what we expect. Yeah. That is how high the bar, and my point is that just, we have set the bar so high for Miles that it feels like even if he has a great season, he's underachieving, but as to you guys have said, He's an all-time great, has a chance to be an all-time great, 
and you hold those guys to higher to standards. a different standard. And that's his career high. His career high is 16 sacks. So I guess for me to say 17 is unfair. I want because that'd want, be a new career high. I want 20. I to me, there's how you know you're good when you get up into the 20s. That means like I got counter moves. That means I'm hustling. That means um, I'm getting off blocks. That means if you get to 20, that means you're just having a special year, bro. Like there's nothing nobody can do about it. And and to get to 20, you need some help. Like you do need another defensive end. You do need your, your defensive coordinator to be able to, 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 you know, scheme some different stuff up. And that's why I was excited to see Jim Schwartz because now I, I think it's a travesty that JOK is that fast, but they never blitz him. Yeah. Like why, why would you have a guy that, that, that runs like that, that can, that can change direction that you can throw in, into the rush and then have to have them guard that plus on the other end, Miles Garrett plus on the other end. And like instead of playing vanilla, I would, I would always have him doing something else. And I think, I think Jim Schwartz is going to have people do that. I think that I think you will see a lot of different stuff. I don't want to get too caught up also in numbers because I just looked it up. Micah Parsons had 13 and a half sacks. He had yeah. less than miles, but it feels like his sacks were more impactful. It came at bigger moments. Mm-hmm. I would take, I would take 13 or 14 sacks for miles with a big strip sack in the fourth quarter. Oh yeah. When the game's on, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, and, and that's where I think some of what we feel like has been missing He's provided some of those, mm-hmm. but it feels like there's more opportunities there. And I would, I'll trade pure empty numbers. I'll trade a first quarter sack for a fourth quarter turnover. And remember, you can feel it. Like when you get to JJ Watt, JJ Watt, the years that he was with the Texans, that he was that dude. Yeah. JJ Watt was getting 20 some pass deflections right. in a year. Right. And it would be that it was like we've never seen a, a guy knock down that many passes. Uh, like he was he was just you you know when a guy didn't got to that level. I look at Strahan. I look at Strahan and when they um the uh when the, when the Giants played mm-hmm. the, the Patriots. Yep. Strahan, Tuck, and uh OCU Manuro. Bro, listen, they were, they were, they, I think Matthias Kiwanuka was on that team too. He was. They had, yeah, they have, they had multiple rushers, but what was devastating was now you had Strahan out on the edge where you couldn't double him. And it just seemed like he was just everywhere that year. It was like, bro, this, the Giants is just unstoppable. You know, Reggie White had his time. We talk about Lawrence Taylor Aaron Donald had his time. Michael Parsons is a guy who, 13 sacks, but he feel, I feel like them is impactful sacks. Yeah. Just you, you feel them. It's the gravity. You get them in the fourth quarter. I think uh, Chris Jones uh, for the Chiefs, he comes up very big. I thought he had a great AFC championship game against the Bengals, but you know, based on how you, you see the game, it just, it just feels like there's nothing they can do to block this guy. He's everywhere. So there's another level, and I think Miles Garrett can get there. Yeah, Jason made a great point, and I apologize for looking at my phone. I'm looking up a stat. Uh, the sack number by itself can be kind does, of meaningless. Can be kind of meaningless because a, there's a very high chance this year, very high likelihood that Miles Garrett forces a pressure, quarterback whoever they're playing rolls out right into the arms of Darius Smith. Now that's not credited as a Miles Garrett sack. That's credited for Darius Smith. Miles Garrett may do have 15 of those this year and come away with like. 11 sacks by right. himself and Zary Smith has. So I think the team sack total is something to look at. But another number that I'm going to add to our 
weekly stat graphics and something to look up here. It's on Pro Football Reference. Anyone can look it up. It's not super advanced analytics, but it's something to watch. They do something called uh, total, it's total pressures. So it's QB knockdowns, uh, pressures, and hurries. And hurries is how they, they categorize this is based on a quarterback, if he has to throw the ball before he's ready. Obviously, if there's a hurry, not. Uh, pressures is when even if he doesn't affect the throw, he pushes the offensive lineman into the quarterback's pocket so he can't step up, and then quarterback hits. And they combine those with sacks for a total number. And I looked at it last year. Micah Parsons had 65. Miles Garrett had 60. Okay. They both played 16 games. Top two numbers in the league. Joey Bosa was right beneath them at 59. That's a good stat to look at, the total impact of a yeah. pass rusher uh, to have. So that conversation we just had is going to make our stat graphics better for the upcoming season, or I'll show you all where to find those stats. But at the end of the day, whether it's 12 sacks, 14 sacks, 16 sacks, I sat in your chair two weeks ago and said I think there's a chance he could break the single-season sack record this year based on the other guys on the defensive line, Jim Schwartz, and how good I think Miles Garrett is. But I want to see that total combination of hits, sacks, hurries, and deflections in between that 65 to 75 range. That'll be an elite all-pro caliber season from one Miles Garrett. Before we go, Jim, what's up, bro? So as this, uh, before we uh, shift gears here, to put a bow on this, as I'm hearing this conversation take place, I think for me, if Miles Garrett had 13 sacks and let's say he added on 20 more pressures, but four or five other defensive linemen had about 10 sacks this year, I'll take that yeah. over a 20-sack season or Miles Garrett breaking the sack record. Uh, a topic yeah. for another time is uh, we talk about, because we always get in the trade machine over here, and we always talk about what Let's it will take tomorrow. to get so, what it will take to get this person, that person. One of the topics is I, I want to know besides a quarterback, besides the quarterbacks, what position player would bring you back the biggest haul? And I actually think if we looked at it, I think Miles Garrett would probably, if you look at it in the league. On the Browns or of any player in the league? Any player. No, like Mi- it, Micah Parsons would get more. You, you, how he's, just, is, he's just younger. He's, how old is it, Micah Parsons? Last year was his second year in the yeah. league. He's like 12? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, so last year he was, yeah. he was a second year yeah, player second, last yeah. year. Right. Yeah. Um, and he's not saying he's better than Miles Garrett. He's just significantly younger. The contract yes. matters. Yeah, the contract, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I would I would I would think defensive ends will be in that that mix. I actually have it, and Earl, I see you waving. I'll get you to one sec, but I have it on my list of topics. What would each Browns player get back in a trade in terms of draft capital? Total speculation, but mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun one day. Earl, what's next? All right, so on this 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 loaded football Thursday, you know, there's been be. a lot of talk in Cleveland over the last couple months that, which I don't agree with, that uh, this is Nick Chubb's last year playing for the Cleveland Browns. We've had conversations among ourselves about the salary cap, and eventually the Browns are going to have to make some tough decisions. So I got to thinking, more than likely, who is playing their last season for the Cleveland Browns? Is it Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller, Donovan Peoples-Jones, or other? G? Uh, This is, this is, uh, well... I, I'll look at it two ways. Now, now the obvious choice is um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, but I look at Wyatt Teller. Um, now, here's it, it, it may get a little funny because you got two guards uh, that are already making that much money in Joe Batonio. Wyatt Teller has more injury problems as well. He's also getting around that 30, 31 age as well. So that's a, that's a perfect storm for being like you're a cap casualty. Um I think 
that if you look at the offensive line and you look at how much they're paying him, I think that they can move a guy in. They feel like maybe it's a Nick Harris. We we got Dewan Jones. You know, we we still got James Hudson. We got a lot of guys that we kind of like in that position. We can fill in. Now I think he's roughly making about thirteen million dollars, somewhere of eleven to thirteen. If you, if you got the number, Teller. Yeah, higher. this year he's making fifteen point four. Oh, oh, that's even well. <laughs> and next well, year it's sixteen point nine. And next year sixteen point nine. And what's the what? And what is the dead money if we cut him next year? Uh. It's a dead cap hit of seven point seven million, so you'd save about nine million. Ah, from what I know about the Cleveland Browns, that that this this looks like <laughs> a, a, a John Johnson the third move. <laughs> that that nine, ten, eleven move. That anytime you started getting over that 15, 15 million, I'm sorry, we can't do. Donovan Peoples Jones is going to be a free agent. Um, it all depends on what type of. Uh, you know, targets he's going to get. Mm-hmm. It looks like all oh, you guys can calm down at home. We're not getting DeAndre Hopkins, so you have your beautiful Donovan Peoples Jones. <laughs> you can spoon feed him the rock. You, we DPJ TV DPJ should be happy, but he needs to put up. He would have to be the for him to get signed. He would have to be the number one receiver. He would have to get 80 catches for 1,100 yards and about seven touchdowns for him for them to sign him. Because I, I, I believe that they think, okay, well, is Donovan Peoples-Jones better than what Amari Cooper can give you next year, and they owe him 20. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Jason? Could I go D all of the above? Because I think it's likely that all three of them are uh, playing the last season I can't believe you took my – I was ready to – Oh, is that – I steal your go, answer? No, you go. You go. Okay. Uh, it's not my answer, but I, I was going to make the point of how that could happen. I think it's a big, I think it's a big year for Wyatt. I, he didn't have a very good year last year. I think the calf played into that, the calf mm-hmm. injury. There's a lot of pressure on him this year because of the cap number. Because, you know, I've said it before, when you're paying your quarterback $50 million, it's a luxury that you can't necessarily afford to pay your guards, you know, $35 million combined. So you're going to have to make a choice there. And Betonio has been so steady. Obviously, Wyatt's younger, but Betonio has been so steady throughout his career. I don't see how you make that move. DPJ, I think a lot of that depends on Cedric Tillman and what Tillman looks like. If, there's, if you think that there's a path for him to have an expanded role going forward that could easily be Donovan's last year. And I do tend to think that this is Nick Chubb's last year. In really? Yeah, I do. For for cap reasons and for everything else, and for the fact that this is a Deshaun Watson offense going forward, uh, I think you could easily make the case that all three of these guys, it's their last year in Cleveland. So DPJ is the right answer. This is mo- of the question of Chubb, Teller, DPJ, who's most likely they're playing their last season in Cleveland. DPJ is the answer. He's not under contract next right. season. They drafted Cedric Tillman to be his replacement. Before, take before any of the DeAndre Hopkins stuff out of the question, we come in the day after the draft, that Monday after the draft, I guess that'd be April 30th, all saying they just drafted DPJ's replacement. He's going to learn for a year, sit, and then take over his spot. So Tillman filling in for DPJ, regardless of what else they do in the receiver room, makes the most sense cap-wise. To Teller's point, you could save about, what was the number, $9 million if you cut Teller? Mm-hmm. Now, if Teller plays like he did in 2020 and 2021, you could talk yourself into playing guard $17 million. He was the number one rated guard according to PFF in 2020, the number five rated guard according to PFF in 2021. You can't pay a guard that kind of money when he's ranked 18th like he was last year right. or 51st like he was in 2019. It makes no sense. He is the second highest cap hit of any guard in the league this year and the eighth highest next season when extensions to Quentin Nelson and other top guards, Chris Lindstrom for the Falcons, kick in. So based on that, he could be a cap casualty. And you talk about the money. This has nothing to do with Nick Chubb, the football player. However, his cap hit next year 
is $16.2 million. If they cut Nick Chubb, they save $12 million. He only has a $4 million dead cap hit heading into 2024. We just saw the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook is still a very good player, a top-tier running back. He's probably, what, four to eight in the league, depending on what you value on a running back? Because they didn't want to pay him $14 million, and they thought they could get more from Alexander Madison for $4 million and use the other $11 million they're saving elsewhere to make their team better than they would paying Dalvin, uh, Dalvin Cook $14 million. So Nick Chubb, based on the money, could be a cap casualty. It just makes sense. Like, it's, it's not anti-Nick Chubb. Y'all it's crazy. just y'all, y'all crazy. they have to pay a lot of players a lot of money. G. <laughs> somebody else ain't getting no money then. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's all fair. it is. That's like, he, you not getting allowance then tomorrow. Like, there's there's certain players, and I don't I don't usually ascribe to this. Ascribe to it. Andrew Barry's a money guy, though. There are listen. There are certain people who just are on the squad. There are certain people when you go to the park. And you got four dudes with you. You said my man's is coming. He's coming from across town. I only need four. He's automatically on the roster. All right, like I ask you a question then. Let's say we had the conversation yesterday. Nick Chubb, you said he could be a 2,000 yard rusher. You said he's going to end up with 1,500 yards mm-hmm. and uh, 17 touchdowns yesterday. Mm-hmm. Then he goes into next season in the last year of his deal. Yeah. He's probably going to say, I want to be paid. I don't want to play my last year of deal without assurance or certainty that I'm going to We can rework longer. that. You're going to extend it? We can rework. Here, listen, Nick Chubb, to me, there, there are very few backs who ever get to this. I could probably name maybe one or two. Nick Chubb, to me, I would tell him, look, as long as, as, long as I own the Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb is on the roster. He will retire Cleveland Brown. He will get his number retired. He will get his jersey retired. At the end of the day, there's two there's two running backs I respect like that. It's Jim Brown and then it's Nick Chubb. Because at the end of the day, Nick Chubb offers me something I can't buy. Like, let's not be let's be clear. Yeah. Our quarterback has not if we had the, the culture thing figured out with the quarterback, heck, when you look at who wears the C's, Nick Chubb where to see, Joe Batonio where to see on offense, not the quarterback. And I don't think that changed next year. It might Stefanski been saying that Deshaun Watson show a leadership and great. We're going to move along. But at the end of the day, I'm saying this. I'll find the money somewhere. And if you telling me Nick Chubb won't take a deal, he won't do what Jose Ramirez did to stay in Cleveland. I guarantee it. That's why when you come to the Guardians and people talk about it. No, Jose is is off the charts. We didn't touch him. No. He's not going nowhere. I feel the same way about Nick Chubb. Earl, what do you think? Nick Chubb is the epitome of everything that you want in a player playing for the Cleveland Browns. When Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry took this job, what did they say? They wanted guys that were smart, tough, and accountable. And Nick Chubb fits the definition of all three of those bullet points, right? And then we talk about, we just did a segment on the core five players. Nick Chubb was on that list. When I look at Nick Chubb, I think about the things that he impact off the football field. I think about his presence in the locker room. I think about his energy around his teammates. I think about just all the camaraderie and all the chemistry and everything that he embodies with the city of Cleveland. Nick Chubb is one of those dudes that I think is a very special back. I'm talking like Adrian Peterson, LaDainian Thompson type of special. Yeah. And this will probably be my first big bold prediction on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. At the end of the season, Nick Chubb is going to get a contract extension. 
He's not going anywhere. I, I don't disagree. Well, I don't agree with the contract extension part. I don't disagree with anything you said before that about Nick Chubb being an all-NFL elite future Hall of Fame running back, that he is the epitome of what you want in a Cleveland Brown, well, the epitome of a person, the epitome of it. a football player. Jay said if he had 53 Nick Chubbs, you win a Super Bowl. I tend to agree with that. I just don't know if Andrew Barry does when it comes to the so let me ask you this though. price tag. What type of message is it sending if you cut Nick Chubb because of his salary number? Like, what, what type of message is that overall sending out to the fan base or sending to the rest of the players in the locker room if everything comes down to somebody's salary cap number? Never mind the other, the other ways that they can have an impact on a football team. They already know. Yeah. It's a business. Like, they, they already know. We've seen this in other, with other teams. This is a very analytically run team front office franchise. And I think that they're going to look at the value versus the money versus the production you can get from somebody else. And when you're looking, I agree with everything you guys have said about Nick in terms of what he means to the franchise, the city, everything. He does everything the right way. He's everything you want. But when you're sitting there crunching numbers and you're looking at the lines and you're looking at what makes sense and what doesn't, when you're paying your quarterback $50 million, you got to give. And I think that's one of the things that's I just, I just think that's one of the things it's going to give. Now, if Jerome Ford is an absolute flop this year, you know, maybe we have a different conversation. If they bring in a veteran back who busts this year, you know, whatever. But the way it's trending, I, I absolutely think it's a possibility that this is his last year. Yeah, Jay, Jason made a really good point. Having this conversation today in June before the season plays out is pure speculation. If Ford's terrible, if they can't, if they don't have a running game, yeah. if, if Nick Chubb comes out and has a 3,000-yard season, like he's not getting cut. But just based on the conversation and the information we have today hey, on June 15th. Hey, bro, if you thought I talked to Bernie, and Bernie was talking about how, you know, when he when, when Bill Belichick cut Bernie Kosar, mm -hmm. he talked about how many, he talked about people coming up to him like was tripping, like they had lost their kids, right? Yeah. I'm going to let you know right now. If the Browns cut Nick Chubb, people would flip out. People would flip. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the record, Bill was right on Bernie. He was right. But here's the thing. <laughs> I mean. But here's the thing. But Nick Chubb. It wasn't popular, but he was right. But Nick I mean, Chubb but, ain't Bernie Kosar, though. But, I mean, Bill. Nick Co Chubb is one. It's probably the best back in the league. Okay, but Bernie was. I mean, he's God in Cleveland. He, is, he had a higher, I, he had a higher status than where Nick Chubb is now. I guess far higher. Yeah, but I'm telling you, they will lose it. They like you got to think about it. Like, okay, when let's let's take it to the Indians. When Albert Bell left, and then I think that was Tommy the last one, or did Manny leave before Tommy? Manny and then Tommy. So when Albert Bell left. And then Manny left. There was people that like I, that was like I can't do this. The only thing that's keeping me around here is is Jim. And when Jim Tomey left, we ain't been we ain't been the same since. Like we ain't been we have not been we couldn't get right since then. But I, I but I look at it like this: you got Chubb and you got Batonio. To me, that that I go to them and I say, look, we 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 value you like this. We value like Joe Thomas. We're going to do everything we can to keep you in a reasonable number. Do you want to retire here? I get, at least give them the option. Yeah, I and, give them the option. And, and you mentioned football and parcels and, and this. Like, to Jason's point, it's a business. Bill Belichick has made some of the smartest moves in that, in that realm of thinking and some of the dumbest. They let Tom Brady 
Leave. And that was a bad decision. Brady has been way think, more successful in Tampa Bay. Tom. I think there was more Tom than Bill. But to but G's point, like, I'm not letting him leave. I'm not letting Nick Chubb leave the building that extension. Tom probably Can't wanted to go because he wanted to prove he could win on his own. Tom yeah. Brady, the winningest quarterback of all time, left the team he was with for 20 years. So let's not pretend that yeah. these guys can't go to other teams. And he did it earlier in his career. Ty Law, he traded Richard Seymour to the Raiders, and those moves all worked out. The Brady one backfired, but I, it's a business. But I want – see, I don't know. Maybe I'm emotional. I, I think both of you guys – I think Earl and G are being – are talking with your heart and your I'm emotions emotional. on this and not with the analytically yeah. driven brain yeah. of the Browns. And for – if the Browns have the type of season that we all think they're capable of having, moving on from Nick would be a lot would be received a lot differently. Yeah, if better. they make a deep playoff run and, th- and you're going to have a little bit more trust in what they're doing, a little bit more faith in what they're doing. If Jerome Ford shows something, you're going to have a little bit more faith in this. Now, if the whole thing unravels and they oh, get yeah, six yeah. and eleven, <laughs> you know it's a different, <laughs> it it's a different five, story. Yeah, five, five, and seven. That's what happened. This co- and it's a, <clears throat> it's a great topic, girl. But this conversation could change fifteen times yes. between June fifth yes. today. And when any decision has to I be I just made. think that we, the whole league has told you that they don't value the running back position. And now you're asking one of the most yep. analytically, <laughs> analytically driven yeah. front offices to overpay for one of the most underrated positions, undervalued positions. The Cowboys won't bring back Zeke Elliott, who is not on the same level as Nick Chubb at all, but has meant as much to the Cowboys in the last six, seven years as, as Nick Chubb has here. For two million dollars, so, so they me, won't bring him back for two million dollars. So let me. I, I, here's why, and Earl, maybe you could speak to this. This is why I'm emotional, right? I look at the AFC North. I look at the AFC North as our own little world, <laughs> like because we got so much history with the Browns being coming to Ravens, and obviously you got the Steelers and the, and the Bengals is right in your backyard. To me, when I get emotional, when I be like, when you you think Munoz. He plays with nobody else. That's he's Bengals. Mm-hmm. When you see Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis is like, no, I'm hanging it up here. Yep. Ogden, Ed Reed, they made it where like, yo, and then like even Big Ben, Roethlisberger get his send off. He get all like he get his parade. He get all of that. He got to you know announce it. So when I look at the other places, I'm like, man, Pouncey is another guy. You look at these guys, they Hall of Famers. They had that jersey on forever, and I'm looking at my squad, and I'm like, man, I want you to do right by our stars. I want you to do right by the people that that we covet. I know it's emotional, but at the end of the day, you can make the money work a little bit because Nick Chubb don't care about the money anyway. You don't. Man, they all care about the money. He, he, a little bit, and, right? Listen, it, is, it can get disrespectful. Is there a number out there that yes. works? Okay, I, I mean. He's going to have to swallow a lot of value, which yeah. he's done once, but yeah. I don't know if he's – I don't know. We want the Jose Ramirez deal. We, that's what we – That's if, a if totally he, different – That's if a he's totally to different – To G's point, if he's willing to take the Jose Ramirez deal, he ain't leaving Cleveland. Sure. Right. But if he wants to reset the running back market, his $16.2 million cap hit next year would be second in the league behind Derrick Henry. And he, they keep it Derrick Henry. They won't trade him yet. I'm like, look, as long as Derrick Henry here <laughs> – Nick Chubb can't go nowhere. Uh, now when they get the rid of Derrick, suck, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> now when they go four and something, uh, Derrick Henry will yeah. be playing linebacker. They're paying two rookie quarterbacks. I think when you look at the value of fifteen carries, whatever it is, <laughs> divided by the amount of money you're paying yeah. him versus what you could get on a different contract for those fifteen carries, yeah. I just I 
I think it's probably why you think I'll be arguing for the 20 carries for <laughs> it's the all along game by just all along game. You know, and, and, and listen, I do not blame anybody, anybody at all. G Earl, anybody watching that's like, there's no way Nick Chubb will ever not. Yeah, be we're not I saying, do not blame you guys at yeah, all. Nobody's saying get rid of Nick Chubb. Nobody's saying no, yeah. that. It's just at some point, if decisions based on money have to be made, when Tegna says, hey, UCSS, you got to cut your budget. Someone's not going to be here. Like, it, we don't got a choice. Someone's got to go. So, they've never done that to us, but I'm just saying, theoretically <laughs> speaking, at some point when they say you only have this much money to spend and you have this many people, someone isn't fitting in that equation. Right. Or what's up? All right, so, yeah, it's definitely – I am being emotional. Jason is right about that, but I do think <laughs> there is – I like emotional human... pearl, by the way. <laughs> I think there's a human element to this as well, right? I just think that the Haslam's view – Nick Chubb, the person, uh, a little different than they might do every other player on his team. And I think they care about Nick Chubb, the person. But I understand the business side of it that, hey, sometimes you got to make the money work. And how I will make the money work, Wyatt Teller got to go. You got a lot of offensive yeah. linemen. You got a lot of versatility on the offensive line. Yeah. You got an offensive line coach that's damn good, right? That's a so, sacrifice. You so sacrificed if I, so, if, so if I know I got Bill Callahan as my offensive line coach, I still got Pochich. I still got uh, Nick Harris. I still got oh. James Hudson that's developing. You I really, and what, I, and what, I just what? drafted Dewan Jones, right? Yep. I just believe all the versatility on that offensive line. I think they can be coached up, and that's where you'll be able to save your money at. But mind you, we're, we're talking about cap hits and age and this, that, and the third. Yeah. Joe, Joe Batonio was older than Wyatt Teller. They yes. both making around the same amount of money, and nobody here is saying that the Browns is going to use him for a cap casualty. Yeah. Now, I mean, listen, there's going to be decisions made. You can finagle the cap as much as you want, and you can kick the can down the road as long as you want. At some point, you do have to pay the piper. You look at the Rams this year. You look at the Vikings, Vikings. in particular. The Vikings gave us Zadarius Smith for essentially nothing because they didn't want to pay him $10 million. They are fielding trades for Daniil Hunter and still a very, very good pass rusher. Why? Because they don't want to pay him. They just cut Dalvin Cook, the same position as Nick hey, Chubb. they could pay Tomlinson. They could have <laughs> played, like, yes, it, money matters, and at some point you got to pay the piper. Earl, we got a fun topic next. What's up? Yeah, but before we get to that topic, man, let's get this PCC read in. We did a couple poll results. Ooh. Okay. And as always, man, PCC, looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits. PCC Air Force is a lead manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. All locations of PCC Air Force in Eastlake, Minner, Whitcliffe, and Minerva Ooh. are hiring right now at all positions, and they started at $18 an hour. So go get your full benefit package, paid time off, signing bonuses. Apply right now at precast.com slash careers to learn more. So we got a couple polls out here. Anthony put a poll up on the YouTube channel. Uh, who's, le who's last season isn't in Cleveland with Chubb, DPJ, Teller, and all of the above being the options. And 51% says is DPJ's last season in Cleveland. That's the right answer. And, and but who, I who came in second? Anthony, who came in second? I could also, while they looked that up, I could also make the case that DBJ's back. If Tillman looks like yeah. there's nothing there oh. and, and Donovan has a great year. And, 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 and Cooper, and, there's a chance Cooper's the guy. And Watson finds a rhythm with DPJ. I could easily make a yeah. case and that Donovan's whoever, back. Whoever, this is the, on the boat. Whoever Deshaun Watson started throwing the ball to, like, he's, he's yeah. here. Yeah. It was Teller coming in second at uh, 33%. And then Chubb last. And then Chubb last. Yeah, so I mean, they yeah. think. That, that, 
Huh. I would have guessed that's how the, the fan poll would go. Next topic. It. All right, so next up, this is something that we, we talk about privately in our group chat. We all know First Energy Stadium is no more. It's back to the Cleveland Browns Stadium, but we just got finished talking about analytics, money, and business. I think we all agree that it's not going to be Cleveland Browns Stadium often. No. Oh, for much longer, should I say. So if you were given the job to rename Cleveland Brown Stadium, what would you name it and why? You've kind of given your thoughts on this topic, Jason. So I'll let you start because I have a bunch of them and some of them are terrible. Some of them are <laughs> decent, but I'm going to throw them out there. Well, I, I didn't take this in the let's have fun and get creative way. I just took this. Earl texted me a few weeks ago and said, what do you think it's going to be? And I said, some variation of Pilot Flying J, whether it's Pilot Field or Flying J Arena. Arena. Not arena, but stadium or whatever. And here's that. It's one f- piece of footage we have of Jimmy walking through it's the owner's It's not meetings. on NFL uh, property, which is why we can use it. That's funny. I, yep. And had I known, I would have shot a video for you guys at the owner's meetings on my iPhone of yeah. him walking by. Yeah, we need Just so more. we could we need some more. spice it up a little bit. I, you know, there's a reason Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse is called Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. It's because, you know, Dan owns them. And I just, for me, it's just, it's, it's too natural. Now, if Jimmy wants, he certainly doesn't need the money, but if he wants to sell it out to progressive field, obviously not them because they have the the baseball stadium already, but someone like that, uh, you could do that. But it just makes too much sense to me to be pilot flying J stadium or pilot stadium or something, something along those lines. This is very easy. The Cleveland Browns have now started a renaissance. They have a new logo, a new dog logo, more, intimidating I think they need to couple the stadium name with the logo as well as the atmosphere we are now reenacting the dog pound there are no children allowed sitting in a dog pound no kids we you got to be illicit it's just like gambling and smoking uh, tobacco 18 or over to sit in the dog show your pound. ID to get in the dog got to show your ID it gets real rough down there and what we're gonna do naming rights if you got a bunch of dogs and you want to name or you want to name your stadium nickname the pound. What better way to go do that than sign up with a company that endorses all types of pets. Here's what we're going to do. This company pets Bart mm. <laughs> pets Bart $7 billion in revenue. So they got the bag. The bag is there. Pets Mart 7 billion annually 56,000 employees, right? Say look at this PetSmart stadium or PetSmart Field, PetSmart, whatever you want to call it. But guess what? We all know what it is. It's PetSmart Stadium, a.k.a. the Pound. And we unleash the more. And I need dogs in the kennel. I need dogs, actual dogs, all types of dogs <coughs> in the kennel. And they're going to be there for the game. Not only are you going to be there for the game, but what you're going to do is you're going to be able to adopt one of those dogs after the games. Every so touchdown score. Every touchdown, they give a free dog. you get a dog. You get a chance to adopt a dog. They do that at training camp. They should be bring that right back to the stadium. <laughs> people would love it. People would get a, a kick out of it. And on top of that, if you are in the dog pound, we give out 50% coupon on gerbil food and all parrot food as well at, at local pit sparks. Where the hell the gerbils come from? How the shout gerbils out, get shout into out to this? Rodents. Shout out to, because it's for the smaller kids. Now, the smaller kids can't have no dogs. You see gerbils, rabbits. <laughs> Things like that. Ferrets, only ferrets are sold at, at local stores. We got it at, at our apartment store. We sell ferrets. Okay, I I thought I went in some 
different routes here. I did not expect there to be dribble food <laughs> uh, teased up here. So, G Bush, yeah. way to go. There it is. What's up, Miles? He over there. He's like, y'all put me on. Miles Jason Lloyd go got my seat again. <laughs> All right, so I came with a couple. I came with a couple serious, couple uh, not so serious. First, and this one is what I would like to see. This is my, if I could choose anything and it would happen, I would like to see it be called Jim Brown Stadium. Yeah. Just plain and simple. In honor of the greatest player in franchise history, in honor of a guy who made tremendous steps forward in the civil rights movement, a guy who is not only an elite, amazing, one-of-a-kind football player, but seemed like he also was a monumental figure in society you as see what a whole. He, see what you did? See, Chad, you understand? McNuggets went emotional. He wanted, he got them. <laughs> he really came emotional with the Jim Brown. That's the only thing that could have wiped that down. Just wait for the rest. I, I see you. Okay, see you. so that, that's my real one. And, and I think if you're going to go fly it, uh, flying pilot Jay, like is he gonna make money off that? Because it's his own company. I don't. I don't know how. It's that a publicity works. for it. Well, a publicity. But if he's not gonna be getting the billion dollar naming yeah. rights, well, you might as well name it after Jim Brown. Because essentially, by naming it after Jim Brown, you're getting the same amount of money. I, back. I think the problem, because I've seen this before. I think the problem with naming it Jim Brown Stadium, you can't come back from that. Yeah, you're you right. can't change your mind you in 20 it, years yeah. and sell it. Fair. Once you do that, you Fair. do that. But I right, stop bringing logic, but, Jason. But no, you can make it Jim Brown Field. Yeah, you can name the field just Jim like Brown Mile field. High, Mile High at Empower or Empower Field at Mile High Stadium. You can just like the turf itself is Jim Brown. Can field. be Jim Brown Field. It's okay. like the Broncos because the Broncos it's Empower Stadium, but it's Mile High Field. Yeah, smart. I like that. See, Jason, logic, too. good. All right, here are my other options. Not so serious. Do not clip these. They're not serious. But first. How about the UCSS Thunderdome <laughs> on the lake? I don't care if the Can Browns, we pay the naming rights? I don't care if the Can Browns hate them? us, if, if they don't want to help us get guests. Name it the UCSS Thunderdome. I would love that. Second off, we got the Muni lot. How about the Muni field? The Muni stadium. Let's just turn to one giant party. I want, well, it's I what want it the was. Muni lot to walk right into the stadium. It no was, changes. The old no stadium was Cleveland Municipal Stadium. That yeah, was the old I'm stadium. Run it back. Yeah. Run it back. It was a good name. How about the Haslam's Palace? They're the Haslam's Palace? The Haslam's Palace. Just tribute to him. Statues of Jimmy and D as you walk in. Giant, colossal stadiums. And then last but not least, Pittsburgh had Heinz Field for a while, right? They just sold their naming rights. It was Heinz Field. I don't like ketchup. What's better than ketchup? Mustard. What's Cleveland known for? Stadium Mustard. Stadium Mustard Field. There you go. <laughs> Boom. Bartman's done. Name it. End of story. No comment. Left him speechless. Earl's laughing. I heard Anthony chirp. What's up? Say to my face, Earl. It's just these is crazy. I was laughing at Steve though. You know Sam Rutigliano. Of course, yeah. My boy R Sammy. Rutigi. Rutigi. <laughs> Sammy R. How can I forget Sammy R? Sammy R. Sam Rutigli. <laughs> I can't remember what you said that day. That was I hilarious. Said exactly what it was what it was. Breaking news, McNuggets. They love your they loved your stadium rights name so much that they decided to gift five memberships. Cody Clark. We appreciate you. He has gifted five Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show memberships. We appreciate you out there. We'll and I believe to... Black Play Games gifted five yesterday. Oh. So shout out to Black we, Play Games. We don't Games forget too. nobody. We don't forget nobody. I thought his name was Black Playground for so long. <laughs> I'm serious. When we do the Cats post game shows, because he's a Knicks fan, he was right. in there every day. And I think I called him out one day, and I was like, oh, this is hey, he super was chat from. Too. Yeah, he well. He was a Knicks fan. He had he had every right to talk his do talk. Do you do you know I was in the, I was in the comment section because I don't have nothing better to do with my life and I'll be just looking through on TV. I saw in our Donovan Mitchell uh, you know conversations that there are people that came only watched our show because the algorithm suggested it when we were talking about the Knicks, and now they came over there to hate on us because we were delusional, 
And then afterwards, they continue to watch and still subscribe because they're like, you know what? We're from New York, but um, I kind of like this little show from Cleveland. I and got, they stayed and subscribed. Shout I, out to New York. So I'm from Jersey, obviously, right? And my friends, a bunch of them are Knicks fans. And when they were having the series, a Nick blog, and I can't remember the name of this, and I'm so sorry. Kudos to you guys. They took our segment, our Cavs, Knicks, whatever we talked about that day, played it, watched it, then reacted to our segment. And it was like, oh, that's a good point by Jason. That's a terrible point by G. Good point. And they, like, broke down our stuff. And I forget which blog it was, but it was pretty cool to see that a blog in New York that has a decent following. They had, yeah. like, 10,000 followers on Twitter. It wasn't mm-hmm. you know, a, a nothing number. But yeah. was literally watching us. And they're like, hey, this is pretty objective, fair, breakdown and preview of the series. We don't get that in New York because everyone's pro-New York. Most Cleveland <laughs> things are super pro-Cleveland. And we were pretty, pretty – I mean, we all were wrong, except Jay, because we picked the Cavs to win. I picked them in five. Bad job out of me, but we think we did a pretty good job breaking that series down. Yeah, it, it, it worked. We're, we're haters. Like uh, I've been a hater for twenty years. 